Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And come on, guys, ask every week. Go give us that five-star review, Spotify, Apple, wherever. And as always, we talk judging in MMA. You should familiarize yourself with the criteria. Go read it at abcboxing.com. You know, Dan, for a while uh, on Saturday at UFC 270, while we were watching uh, from our respective homes, it was certainly shaping up to be an episode with very few uh, rounds to discuss, and thus very uh, little uh, show for you and I on this post UFC 270 edition, right? Yeah, but uh, we still got some towards the end. No, we did, and, and honestly, it wasn't any. I don't think there was any controversy necessary to necessarily to any of the. Uh, two decisions that happened in the two championship fights that happened, but it did fortunately give us at least some rounds to kind of sink our teeth into kind of break down why there was maybe some disagreement or, you know, among the judges. Yeah. There's some, uh, I mean, I honestly, when I heard, uh, the co-main event was all unanimous for the the same score, I was going to be in awe if there was no contested round. That would have been something. Yeah, uh, I had the same thought. I was, I was like, wow, I wonder if they're actually on the same page in every round all the same way. A, a fight like that, I mean, uh, honestly, watching that fight from home, round two was the only one that I said to myself, well, this is the one that I can. I really don't see much of an argument the other way for, and that was a, that was a Moreno round. Every other round, I scored for uh, Davis and Figueredo, but realistically, it, I could have seen a 50-45 for Moreno. Uh, I don't know about if I would agree with that completely, but I know a couple rounds I just threw my hands up and said, I have no idea. I thought and, they were very, very close on most of them, but realistically, it, I think it's, I think the best, best winner that we got out of that fight was Davis and Figueredo. I kind of felt that way on the whole that he actually did win the fight. It was a very, very slim margin. So slimmest of margins. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but more surprising was the fact that the heavyweight fight not only went the distance, but Francis Ngannou defended his championship, unified the belt with the number one contender belt uh, with with Cyril Gann. And it kind of happened in probably the last way that anybody would have sat at home and said, well, how do you think this fight's going to go? It's like, well, you know, he's going to lose the first two rounds, uh, you know, most of the cards. He's, he's going to be, you know, not landing uh, the power shots. But then all of a sudden he's starting to become a wrestler. He's going to take him down. He's going he's gonna to win via top control over the final three rounds of the fight. Body slammed him. That's what set the tone in round three. It did change the game when that happened. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that this was what happened. It's not that you can't expect the unexpected in MMA, that kind of thing. But realistically, this really was just like the lowest percentage prediction to put forth in the world. And sure enough, that's actually how it went. <laughs> it, w- it was crazy. I wonder if Ngannou had got, gained any confidence in that third round in his wrestling. Because he's like, well, I, I really have control of this guy. I, I can hold him down here. I would I mean, have to think that. So, that I mean. The corner was, was liking that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, did, he must have been as well. So, yeah. Francis retains. That was a. Uh... Very unexpected, as you said. What I what I think uh, a victory like this and in the, the way it actually went is it has to for the future. Uh, assuming there's a time where Francis Ngannou actually returns to the MMA cage and doesn't go to the boxing, and there's all sorts of scenarios out there that we could probably spend a whole show talking about. We probably don't have to go crazy into. Uh, 
let's just assume for the sake of this conversation, he's going to be back in the cage his next fight at some point in the next year and a half months. Yeah. Somewhere along there. And, um, I would think that the next time he comes back in, he's going to feel very confident because he knows he can not only go the distance because he's done that before. He knows he can go the distance and he can get the win, which he had never done before. And he can rely on other parts of his game if he needs to. So for someone like him, this is as weird a win as it kind of was. Any win would have been good for him, obviously, with with all the extra stuff. But this, I think, really does help him in even in a better way than, say, like just a typical Francis Ngannou, you know, first four minute knockout or something, you know? Yeah. And for definitely he's confident now he can uh, he can make it all 25 minutes, have enough energy to wrestle for the last 15 of those, which is which is no easy feat. So uh, and against Cyril Gann, who we've seen go the distance, win decisions, uh, you know, that way and and. Honestly, it's not like he um, was known as some sort of cardio monster, but he, he looked like he was able to do no. okay for for five rounds. And I don't think he necessarily looked super tired in the round in round three when things started to turn. It was just he just didn't have the wrestling. Yeah, I, I think I think DC pointed out of, of all the crazy things he said, uh, he did make a couple <laughs> yeah. did make a couple of good points. You know that Cyril Gann, yeah, he can go twenty five minutes, but usually he's keeping it on the outside and he's just touching you. And, you know, he's used to doing that. The wrestling is something he's not used to doing in, in that live uh, fight setting. So I think that did probably zap him a little bit in the championship rounds. And he was doing that on his own, too. I mean, not the not the takedowns necessarily, but he was trying to put it in the clinch and kind of lean on him and wear on him. Mm-hmm. He was fighting kind of a different style than like what we're saying, kind of fighting on the outside. So even that is is a departure from what he's used to. Yeah, I, I think it, it worked. In in the opposite way, he thought he thought it would probably gas Francis quicker, and yeah. it just didn't. Underestimated uh, Francis Ngannou, and and it, look, it, it worked to a degree. Francis Ngannou's punches, you know what, what I think Rogan was saying yeah, yeah. on the broadcast too. They were not coming the same speed. Like, yeah, the power was was gone late. It was gone. It worked, so. but it, it had a price, and he couldn't pay that price to again. So yeah, I feel like that's more or less where things went wrong. Uh, was kind of this reliance on the wrestling here and, mm-hmm. and the fact that not only that, he just didn't have the defensive wrestling yeah. to do anything about it. And he couldn't make Francis pay on the ground either. Like he, you know, he was kind of looking for subs. There was obviously that, that heel hook in the fifth round. And, and he looked like he was probably looking for something when he got swept to begin with in the, in the fifth round as well. It was, the fifth round was a sweep, right? I, yeah. I round five. Remember? Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden I'm having a blank here. Uh, I, before we got on, I couldn't remember the names of the main characters of sons of anarchy, which I've been binging this week. <laughs> so that doesn't, this doesn't speak to my <laughs> mental faculties right now, but anyway, um, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, very, very surprising that it went this way. I, I thought Francis Ngannou was going to win. I, that was my prediction, but not this way. Uh, the real question, though, is where does the heavyweight division go for the rest of the year? I mean, Cyril Gann now lost this fight. And so he, that obviously you wouldn't put him back in there again for an immediate rematch, even in normal circumstances. But now we have Francis Ngannou not only has this torn MCL and you know injured ACL that he was talking about in one of his knees there's of course the bigger thing at stake which is his contract situation which has been talked about ad nauseum this whole you know in the lead up to this fight um the fact that he doesn't seem willing to fight on the current uh terms of the contract might be willing to wait it out until he can get out which I guess is in 18 months or so he'd be a full 
free agent or something like that. So could we see him? He's got to wait it out anyway. He's that long? What's that? He's got to get his knee repaired. He's going to be out that long anyway. So. Well, sure, he'll be out that long anyway. But like, so you know, more or less, we're talking about a situation where <laughs> Dana White and the UFC didn't want to wait four months, more than four months, for his first title defense last year. So they created a new belt. There's no chance that Francis Ngannou steps in. No chance that he steps in anytime in the next six months. I don't. I don't They're going to want to make a belt again. But it, I mean, can you really put? Cyril Gannon there now? Like, he just lost. Like, I guess you can, but we all know it's a fake belt at that point. Well, you put, I mean, if you do Gannon Stipe, then it's the two guys who just lost to Francis for the yeah. title. But. but, but you're calling that a second place belt because we know now this isn't, this isn't when Khabib retired. When Khabib retired, he wasn't coming back, no matter how much Dana thought he was going to come back. And he waited to make a belt in that case, by the way. Um, in, in here, Francis Ngannou wants to keep fighting. He's not retired. Everyone knows he's the best heavyweight in the world. When you make a belt and just make us say, well, you know, he's the champion now. Like an undisputed belt? You're going to strip him? What, what are you going to do here? You know what you're probably going to do? We got? If I'm the UFC and we don't we don't want to make the second place belt, as you say, you know, two guys coming off a loss, putting him mm-hmm. in for a belt. I, th- I bet I know where you're going. We're not going to do Go that. On. So what we're going to do is we're going to give Derek Lewis, John Jones, and they will be the title holder. And the UFC would love John Jones to have a belt. Derek Lewis, I don't, I, I don't know so much about that, but yeah, I think John Jones. And this, I don't know if they love the idea of having John Jones hold a belt again, but I think he's probably the lesser of two evils. I bet you they think they can give him enough money to get him in there, rather than Francis Ngannou at this point. Uh, that I, I wonder. Uh, it could be, you know, who I could see actually, John Jones, and let's say Alexander Volkov wins against Tom Aspinall. Because that's the new fight that's made, right? Yeah, I, that, that's I'm pretty the new sure fight. That was it. Seems like they're, they're really these Aspinall and Dawkins were the two guys like that. They seemed like they wanted to push really hard. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah, both sure. they're I mean, both they're getting, young. They're they're interesting. Both getting huge jumps up in competition. Dawkins failed. See how Aspinall does. Yeah, I mean, certainly if Aspinall wins, he he could be a viable challenger too in terms of making it of avoiding the situation that I'm talking about of it being you know a, a second place belt. Um, you can at least argue John Jones and Tom Aspinall or Alexander Volkov. I, I, I'll I'll lean to Volkov just because that's who I would pick in the fight at this point, as much as I like Aspinall. Um, that at least does make sense. I, I knew you were going for John Jones. That was kind of what I was thinking as well. It's, it's it's the only thing you can do to actually make the division go forward and like try to pull the wool over us and, and say, well, no, forget about Francis. This is, this is the best guy in the world. He's the best, greatest of all time. Dana White will certainly slide right into that. Uh, that promotional pitch that he loves. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of the only thing I could see that makes sense. But I mean, is he really going to get back in there? I don't know. I mean, and talks what is he going to be? Talks a lot. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, he was chirping last night, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, enough of the heavyweight. Uh, this is this is going to be a story. I think we're going to be talking about throughout the year. Um, not, maybe not as much on our show because usually we're talking about kind of more current uh, things as far as fights go, but that's going to be a big narrative, I think, for the years. What happens with heavyweight? There's also the flyweight title fight, of course, which was a great fight. Awesome fight. Davis Figueredo ties the trilogy at 1 1 1 now because he had the, the draw in the first fight. He technically course, wins, still, wins the I trilogy. Still, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really, but I mean, I look at, I've talked about round five of that fight before. Round five. Should have been a unanimous round for Davis Figueredo. There's not much of an argument to be made for Brandon Moreno, and 
unfortunately, a, a judge who I have tremendous respect for, Junichiro Camillo scored it for Moreno. I don't know why, um, but yeah, but even even with that, it is, even with that, it was a very close. Still fight. needed. He still needed a point deduction to make it that tie. And no, I'm, and I'm not. I'm not going to say it was a bad point deduction. We all agreed it was a good one. Yeah, but he needed that help. So I'm I'm harping less on that because honestly, that that's Figueroa's fault. That, I'm sorry. You just you got to control your weapons. But the the judging. And obviously that's out of his both their hands too. But I, I, I'm just surprised that that was what happened in that fight in that round. That was such an important round and fight. I don't have to. We don't have to dwell on that one forever because we do have, of course, this fight from Saturday, which again was really good. I thought just about every round was close except for two. You sound like you disagree a little bit. That's fine, but um, oh no, I mean, no, everyone was everything was close. Oh okay, but okay, not. Uh, we'll get to it. Okay, okay, we can get to it. So um. Before we move into contested rounds, and I think we'll probably start with that fight, um, should these two men fight each other once again right away and do a quadrilogy without interruption? Yep. You have no interest in another uh, challenger coming in? Not at the moment. All right, that's fine. Resolve this right now. I mean, they fought each other. They did three fights in in relatively short amount of time. They did. They did. I, I imagine they could probably turn it around again relatively quickly if they really wanted to um i kind of don't want them to do it just yet i actually would like to see alessandra pantoja step in and get the next shot yeah i mean how how much more is figueredo gonna go though how much more is he gonna go he's not that young how many more fights he's got i don't think he's i don't think he's super old i'm not sure off the top of my head how old he is yeah i'm i'm 37 in june so i i feel like i'm not that old either yeah you, know? you would be retired in in most sports at this point how dare you <laughs> i i just no, I, I like i like the intrigue he that just the, turned 34 he turned 34 like four weeks ago that they He's know not... each other so well they've prepared for each other and nobody else for however long for three straight camps let's just you know do it again and, and really see who's the best all right. For what it's worth, uh, he debuted in uh, almost ten years ago. It'll be ten years ago next month. Um, but he he only had two fights uh, on his record until like March 2014. So he really didn't start his career in earnest until eight years ago, which is still pretty low. Like like it's not very deep into one's career. That's usually year eight, nine, ten. That's when uh, a lot of fighters kind of hit their peak. That's yeah, fine, but. So I see more time, and I want to see him do. I want to see him get a new challenger. I'm tired of this. I, I actually want <laughs> to see somebody else in there. You don't want to see a good fight. It's almost I think a guaranteed it'd be a good fight. Good fight. You don't, what do you not like, Alessandra Pantoja? Pantoja beat I him do. last time. Figueroa. He, I believe he beaten both men, if I'm not mistaken. I do like Pantoja. I like him a lot. Yeah, uh, he has beaten both men. He should have lost to Brandon Royval, but uh, Brandon Royval has this terrible habit of exposing his back on the feet. Uh, I really don't know what it is, but that's what he likes to do. Oh, Pan- that's right. No, my mistake, actually. Uh, Figueredo beat Pantoja. I think I have that backwards, but I I like that one. I I mean, just, what about I Askar Askarov? You got him waiting there. Yeah, Askar Askarov too, but he's got a he's got a fight coming up against uh, Kai Kara France, I believe. Oh, okay, if Kara France knocks him out, I'd say let's do Figueredo Kara France. Oh, I see. So your bias is against Alexander Pantoja. No, it's just it's not a fresh matchup. How dare you! Uh, it's either I want if if it's not going to be fresh, I want them just do number four. <laughs> if it's not fresh, just recycle the same thing. Yes. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> like if if you're gonna make it if you're gonna make it a rematch of some sort, just close this one out already. All right. I I mean I get it. Like and realistically, like I don't know that these men are 
ever going to give us a fight that's not interesting. So, hey, if it happens, I'm not going to be mad. I just kind of want to see something different. I'm, I'm, you know, even if different is a little less than fresh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move into contested rounds. Let's start with that fight because um, it was like we said, 48-47s all around. Um, but there were two rounds that were uh, not in unanimity. It was rounds four and five, and it was actually the same judge. Of course, that's why we have the same scores. Same judge uh, was the out judge in each instance so starting with round four judges on this one were chris crail and mike bell who saw round four for davis and figueredo and we had wade Vieira, who saw it 10-9 for brandon moreno dan what happened in this round and where'd you end up siding so i i thought this was actually a pretty clear round for figueredo uh on rewatch i still feel the same that it's 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 very close, but I still think it's it's clear in Figueroa's favor. I think I don't think Marino is really landing anything of significance. Maybe a couple inside leg kicks and a, and a punch or two when they break from the clinch uh, late in the round, when when Figueroa had him against the fence, was pounding the knees. I, I thought throughout the round Figueroa hammered the leg, and like I mentioned against the fence, he was landing some decent knees. It, it's a close round, but I think Figueroa should get the nod. Uh, I guess there's a case for Marino. But I, I just don't really see it. I honestly, I thought this round was very close. I, I'm actually a little surprised you said I, I did not rewatch it, to be fair. Um, so maybe it's entirely possible. I, I saw a pretty evenly contested round where neither fighter was pulling away too much with any like giant significant kind of strikes that I think we saw in most of the other. I feel like every round had strong strikes either on one side or both sides. In most cases, both sides. I thought this round was, it wasn't, boring it wasn't you know tepid or anything like that it just wasn't around where i thought anybody got a very strong edge uh so that's where i kind of thought, saw this to be very close i i guess i saw it differently than you um and i did see it for figueredo i ended up siding the same way as you but i, I actually thought it was okay is that does that not jive or what well do i think? i don't i'm not saying i don't think it's a strong round mm. in either one's favor i just think it's a clear round i guess i just didn't see it that way but again i i didn't watch it multiple times to be fair all right but uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's so bad. I mean, do you think this is a bad score? I, I don't think it. No, opinion? I mean, there's from definitely Judge Vieira. It's close enough where you know there's a case. I just don't think uh, Marino's really landing that great uh, compared okay. compared to what Figueroa's landing. Those light kicks I thought were really really good. All right, all right, fair enough. Yeah, hey, you know what? I ended up that way though. I I kind of ended up there for more or less the same reason. I thought the kicks were fine. So yeah, it's it's all right, but. Uh... Round five. This was a wild finish, dude. <laughs> this was a close round with a wild final 20 seconds. Yeah. On the whole, I thought Figueroa's impact is, is higher. I thought he landed solid shots throughout. I could understand uh, someone scoring this one for Marino, but I don't think the lands were as strong at the end, you know, as the broadcast is making it seem like, oh, Figueroa's hurt. I didn't Sure, there's excitement there. I didn't see of, that. Yeah. I mean, these were good punches, but what Figueroa landed to start that exchange, I thought was was a lot heavier in, in the damage and impact. Uh, fun way to end a super close fight. I mean, it can't really be upset with any decision here because every round w was pretty close. And I do think a 49-46 is the right score, but it is not what represents the fight we saw. Sure, absolutely. that's And that's fine. But of course, that's not how 10-point must works. Right. Um, as we all know, we talk about all the time. I scored this one for Figueredo as well, but I, yeah, I, this was a tough one. That that last bit there from Moreno definitely made it tough, but I, I, I ended up on the same page as, as you. Um, 
We actually have, I believe we have the same scorecard throughout, right? 49-46, round two from Reno. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, this this being the case, you and I saw it the same way as the outjudge in this case was Wade Vieira. So Dan, what what does that mean? You and I sided with the judge who uh, had no no uh, partners on this one. Oh, that's a couch side override. The first of the year. Is that the first thing we didn't have on last show? No. I have a short memory, apparently. <laughs> I can tell you like what I was doing like in different days in my kindergarten. Like when I was like seven years old, but I couldn't, apparently I can't tell you the names of the characters of the show I was just watching uh, or what we did on the last show. Shows what I know. Uh, but yeah, so that was the couch side override, of course. Congratulations to uh, Judge Vieira. It's in the mail. You're going to get your uh, your reward for that. <laughs> I think that would be the first for him, actually, because he's more or less a, a California-based judge. Um, yeah. I guess there was there was Bellator events that we talked about. I don't remember him getting one last year though. No, those are a couple names I've never seen before. Chris Crail. Oh, Chris Crail. He, he's he's another California judge. Yeah. And Marcel Valera. Yeah. So the UFC scorecard listed him as Marcel Valera. I'm ninety nine percent sure he's actually Marcel Varela. I believe that's if you look him up in MMA decisions, that's what the name is. That's not your fault if you were just reading off of that. But yeah, no, yeah, I have no idea. I'm, I'm pretty positive they just made a mistake there because actually, you know, it's it's funny that they, they did it that way with that typo. So it is what it is. Um, let's move on, though, to the other championship fight, which is the only fight that we had uh, major rounds to really discuss for, you know, a kind of an actual potential score changing type of situation, depending on how you saw the fight. Uh, round one of Francis Ngannou's 49-46 and 248-47s. Victory over Cyril Gann. We only talk about round one uh, in terms of the judges disagreeing because that's where we have the 49-46. Dan, why don't you talk about this one before we even get into who scored it and how. Close round. I, I can see cases made for each guy. Okay. Uh, I think Ngannou landed heavier. Uh, he gets a really big reaction about two minutes in after a couple body shots. And that's really weight heavy for me. You know, Gann landed more volume, I believe. But Francis, uh, he was landing the heavier shots. Gann did a couple good... Uh, a spin kick to the body, I remember, a couple of knees to the body. So, I mean, it's close, and I really can see it both ways, but mm-hmm. I like it for Ngannou. Yeah, I did score this for Cyril Gann, uh watching it live, but having watched it, I did watch this one again today. I was, I was very curious about this one, um, more so than the other fight, actually. And I'll be honest, I kind of almost had a change of heart. I'm going to stick with my score. I'm not going to change it, but because I, I do think it's defensible to, to score this one for Cyril Gann. Um, But I, I actually see those heavier strikes landing uh, for Ngannou. And I, I think it actually makes a lot of sense to score this for uh, Ngannou instead of Gann. Uh, the way Sal D'Amato did, he was actually uh, the lone judge, saw it that way. Uh, Ron McCarthy and Derek Cleary saw this one for Gann. I I think that's a fine score. And you know what? A round like that where there is lower output, you kind of have – I feel like you really have to defer to the judges much more strongly than like even you'd like to normally when you're sitting at home because there's so few strikes. and you kind of need the judges' extra feedback they get from being there. You know, the noise, the feel, these kind of things, the reactions, uh, you know, the, the way their eyes look and that kind of thing, if they're able to get um, a good glimpse of that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll defer to them. I'm not changing my score, and, and you and I are not overriding uh, the GAN majority here. <laughs> no couch side override. Sorry, Sal. Hopefully he got his awards uh, in the mail, though, from, from yeah. last month. Yeah. <laughs> 
and and that was actually that was again that was the only round that was up for um debate among the judges but i did want to talk a little bit about round five of this fight um it it kind of surprised me that there was agreement on this one i for full disclosure all three judges scored this one for francis Ngannou. dan you also did i believe yes yes i scored this fight for Gan. i don't think it's a bad score at all. I, the last week I had a score that I, I kind of wished I could have taken back. This one, I, I actually feel okay about this one. Um, you have some peers to back you on this one. so I do have some peers to back me on this one. I, John Sheehan had it, right? Yeah. He had round five uh, for Cyril Gant. Mm-hmm. I, I feel okay being in company with, with him because not all media scores are created the same. His yep. are, are um, respectable. He understands uh, criteria. He talks about it all the time, of course. Uh, We're we are fighting on the same... Uh, side uh, for education and and you know i've actually i, I was hit up by a, a judge today who i won't name who said the same they they kind of understood they, they were a little surprised that it was kind of that way i didn't think uh it was ludicrous for this score to be here and and, and apparently i was in decent company with with some respectable uh officials as well yeah it's not a it's not a bad place to be i don't think it's bad to score for again no no so. i don't think so at all the funny thing is though if I had seen round one for Nganu, as I kind of do now, uh, more or less, even though, again, I'm sticking with my score, um, I still would have ended up at 48-47. So I, I feel like overall, I think Francis Nganu really did win this fight. I do. Um, but I, I I still think round five is a is a pretty defensible going the other way score. Uh, again, despite the judges, I'm not overriding them for sure. Uh, they were there. Uh, but I guess the problem that I have with this round and, and – it's it's more of a me problem than than anything. I'm trying to get on the same page with how heavy you weigh things like top control, dominant positions when there's not actually a ton of offense being landed, which is really what happened in this round, right? Francis Ngannou is not doing a ton more than Cyril Gann, other than the fact that there was a heel hook attempt coming from Cyril Gann. Well, yeah, the, the brief moment, the brief time that it spent on the feet. I mean, it's clearly Gan, but not by a large margin. Yeah, he's yeah. not doing much damage when it gets when it hits the ground. Gan Gan posts on on his right foot, so it's either maybe he's going to stand and try to pass or, or stand and start throwing strikes. Francis starts, and he set, never does. <laughs> Francis sets up a scissor sweep, sweeps beautiful. Him. I mean, it was it was obviously kind of rudimentary, but it was beautiful. Gan knows he's being swept. He's like, I oh, might as well throw up, you know, the heel hook here. You know, attack this at least because it's there. And it it's just not it's just it's poorly set up because he, I don't think he was expecting to have to set that up like I don't think sure. he was expecting to attack that and it it's loose it's not tight I mean it's not that deep and as we learned Francis has a torn MCL so what more damage could you even do <laughs> yeah, to the knee anyway he's just but, sitting but, there like yeah okay cool Can but I- what he did know what Cyril Gann did know is that there were knee pads being worn. Uh, by Francis Ngannou, and think probably thinking to himself, "Oh, maybe attacking the knee might be a decent idea here." <laughs> he he was asked that in the uh, post fight. They oh, I missed that. What was yeah, that? he was asked that in the post fight. He said, "No, we didn't even think anything of that." No. So he didn't wow. even he didn't he didn't care that he had knee wraps on, as as much as DC wanted him to believe that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was it was it was different, and anything different like that, I I would I would think if I was if I was a fighter, and I'm not a fighter. I'm never going to be a fighter, um, but I'm like I'm so much like a like thinking about that kind of thing. Like, why would you do that? I wonder what that is. Mm. Like, I kind of want to poke around with that. I mean, George Sotteropoulos was big on that. Where yeah, but that, he stuff, always wore those so. though. This is different because you know? it's new. Yeah, George Sotteropoulos, like he he had like the. 
had the feet wrapped. He had yeah. the, the giant knee pads. It was almost like he was wearing like grappling <laughs> pants, but not. I remember that. I, I want to say there was like a fight that and maybe maybe this didn't happen. Maybe I'm maybe it was a fever dream, too. But I want to say there was like a fight where like the opponent uh, was like, nah, you can't have all that. I'm pretty sure it maybe got contested. Did. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds right, right. A lot of things got contested. I think Roy Nelson's beard got contested. Didn't Jim Miller's get contested it, at one point? Maybe. Oh, wow. That was too. It, was it that against Charles Oliveira the first time? First fight, was it? Was it? Am I, am I misremembering I that? I have no idea. I'll have to look oh, that up. No, we're going to solve that right now. Cause, oh. cause this is this is big news, Jim. And Clay Guida had <laughs> to have his hair tied back one fight, I remember. A lot of weird rules in MMA, weird rulings. I want to say Kimbo Slice, there was something too. The the first thing that I find coming up by the search uh, query, Jim Miller beard cut Charles Oliveira. Uh, the third article is the, the one that would be from about yeah, 12 years, 11 years ago or so. Jim Miller's beard powered his win over Charles Oliveira at UFC 124. So, all right. Beard maybe power. not. Maybe I'm just making this up. But. <laughs> Jim Miller's a lightweight champ. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, again, I, I'm not even trying to sit here and be like, come on, listen to me. My score is right. It's like, no, I, the fact that I kind of heard from an official too, it made me feel like, okay, I'm not crazy here. There's a, there's a legitimate argument. But, uh, you know, this official was not someone who was questioning uh, the three judges cage side by any stretch and had, had a lot of deference there, but just kind of pointing out that they, the, the same thing that kind of, I was thinking more or less that there, there was at least a decent argument to be made for uh, Cyril Ghan in that round. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to fight, fight against it. So. All right. Well, that's good. Cause uh, I'm not in the room with you. So you couldn't fight me anyway. <laughs> All right, one more round, though. This was the only thing that we really had until the title fights here was uh, kind of a, a meaningless round, more or less, uh, in the curtain jerker of the event. Jasmine uh, Jesuda Vicious got the win over Kay Hansen at women's flyweight, 30-27 score and 229-28. That came in round three. Uh, all the judges had already given all three rounds, or all two rounds uh, to that point, both rounds, <laughs> to uh, Jesuda Vicious. So at this point, Hansen needs a finisher 10-8, and we're not even talking about a 10-8 discrepancy here. We're just talking about whether Hansen won this round or she didn't. Did she salvage it? Um, what do you think, Dan? Very close round. Uh, both landed good. Kay was having success on the feet early in the earlier rounds, and every time she get yeah. close, she would clinch and go for a takedown. I don't know why she wouldn't just try to keep it standing. I mean, she was doing yeah, not, pretty not the greatest there. fight IQ, but she's only 22. She's only 22. I kind of feel a little bad for her because I feel she's she's too big for 115. And she's not strong enough for 125. She's kind of in a she's, bad place. I she's think kind of. It's probably going to sound like like body shaming or something. But she's like just a little more like thick and sturdy, you know, that, so that it makes it a little tougher to, for her. Obviously, it'd be at 125 pounds, um, but or, or 115, excuse me. But at 125, she's like super short. Like she looked like a blown up straw weight fighting mm -hmm. an actual uh, flyweight. In this fight, yeah, that's I what mean, it looked like, and it kind of played out that way. Except again, her striking actually was pretty solid. Striking was good. Uh, I thought they both landed good punches, but I just feel Jazza Vicious landed the more immediately impactful fights. Kay's eye was starting to swell, her nose was bleeding, head was getting snapped back every time she uh, Jasuda Vicious landed. So I'm on ten nine Jasuda Vicious. I actually saw this one as a Hanson round. I disagreed with you. We, we disagreed a lot actually on these ones. It's kind of funny. We're usually kind of in lockstep this time. Not so much. Not but, today. Um, what's that? Not today. Not today. Exactly. Or yesterday. Or, well, yeah, as it were for the fights, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I thought that Hanson actually did enough in this round. I think it's, it's okay to give her this round. Um, close, close round. 
again, kind of a nothing burger as far as the actual meaning behind it. So you could have given it to either one and it doesn't make a difference on the winner. Of course, the judges uh, sitting in the chairs, Chris Crail, Marcel Varela, and uh, Wade Vieira, I'm sure, are not thinking that. Uh, but you were on the same side as the out judge, Wade Vieira. I had it the same way as Crail and Varela. No override. We're split. Just split. But again, just who gets the win on uh, coming off the contender series. We had a couple of those. Yeah, we did. We saw their uh, their pay scales again because mm-hmm. the CSAC releases that stuff, unlike Nevada. So we, we got we got a reminder <laughs> that yeah, these fighters are on ten and ten deals. That's great. Ten and ten. Main card fighter got ten and ten. The meek grinder rolls on. <laughs> uh, and that, you know that what, is it for... you know what else I noticed on that sheet is that the yeah. licensing fees are deducted from their salary. I missed that. I didn't. I yeah, didn't if you look at the sheet, sheet clearly, they have sure. to pay for their own licensing fee. Well, it's like two hundred and ten I mean, bucks. I guess that makes sense, but yeah. You would think the yeah. company would at least cover that. I mean, I've talked to enough fighters to understand how many um, expenses kind of go into this uh, this whole entire deal, and how much when you see that number, it doesn't come remotely close to what they're actually going to be able to do anything with in their lives, <laughs> even to bonuses. In, in a lot of cases, which is unfortunate, but uh, that is it for contested rounds. Uh, we have five finishes uh, on this card. They were it, look. If it wasn't over in the first round, this fight was going the distance. That's how it worked. It was. It was all decisions and first round finishes. Five, like I said, three TKOs, two submissions, all of them in round one. As I said, uh, what was your favorite? Vanessa Demopoulos arm barring us. Silvana Gomez Juarez. After being almost finished, she got smashed. She was like dead. And then, oh yeah, she like she got clobbered like a sack of potatoes. Like she was something I like to say. She said she woke up on the ground, so at some point she, she must have been it, out. Uh, yeah, she. Uh, I thought she handled it well, actually. She did. She, she. I mean, even even aside the fact that she went on to win, like I thought she like weathered the storm very. Like even in that moment, I'm like, oh, she did all right. Yeah, from seeing her like her past, she was LFA champ. The fight that she won the belt, she was getting smashed until she pulled off a submission like round four or five. So, so this is kind of her deal. She she's just, a, she gets smashed and then wins. She's a resilient, I guess is the word. Tough, but yeah, yeah. she might want to stop doing that though. The armbar was was yeah. She should stop doing that. <laughs> just go out there and, and make it easy on yourself. I know, I know. But the armbar, she locked up the overhook, attacking from the bottom, and then eventually. She finally swept to get on top, and it was a really good arm bar. It looked like there's probably some damage to Juarez's arm. What about yours? I I went with uh, the quick the quickest stoppage of the uh, of the evening. Said Nurmagomedov, who no relation to Khabib. I think we said he was a half brother or something like that. I don't know where yeah, I got that. We mentioned Wikipedia that or something. Or some bull, bull stuff that uh, yeah, they're not related. Uh, although all the Nurmagomedovs basically combined for like just an incredible record. So if your name is Nurmagomedov, you don't have to be related. You're still pretty good at MMA. Uh, odds <laughs> are. <laughs> uh, but he he made super quick work. 47 seconds of Cody Stamen got the guillotine. Uh, you know this is that's not what I expected from this fight at all. I didn't think it would be over in a flash. Me neither. And sure enough, it was. Um, he's an interesting. Uh, prospect at 135 pounds. Hopefully, he actually gets a little bit more momentum, is able to get some more fights uh, under his belt and uh, and keep it going. So I'm curious to see uh, where he goes from here. Yeah, that 135 division's quite deep. They say so a lot. <laughs> but that is it for UFC 270. Uh, we have no UFC again this week. The the UFC is still in its call before the storm phase. We just had a couple uh, events preceded uh by a month of break and then basically the rest of the year we get like two weekends without ufc that's that's pretty much it um 
it's it's not an exaggeration. Um, we do a Bellator, Bellator 273, their first show of the year. They've got a title fight here with uh, Ryan Bader going against Valentin Moldovsky. What do you think of this fight? I don't know. Oh, uh, cool. Moving on. It's a heavyweight fight, so I mean, I'm not too interested in it. <laughs> I mean, but I know, Bader's, but Bader's, Ryan Bader's not a heavyweight. Yeah, Ryan Bader's not a heavyweight, which is why I'm expecting him to get knocked out. Uh, <laughs> and Moldovsky unifies the belt and is the undisputed Bellator heavyweight champ. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, Ryan Bader has been in the game a very long time, and there's a long shelf life for people like that. But Ryan Bader's shown uh, susceptibility to the knockout throughout his career. Um, Ever since he ran face first into Lionel Machida's fist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also took a severe beatdown against John Jones a month before Jones won the uh, mm-hmm. the title for the very first time too. Yep. That was, and I think there was like kind of this this carrot on the stick while Bader was over there thinking like, man, I can only get back to John Jones. I can show that I can do better than that. I think we all knew better. Um, <laughs> it was it was obviously a, a great chase for him, both uh, financially and uh, for his legacy, so to speak, in the sport to go to Bellator. He's done very well for himself here. The the two championships very 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 good work from him uh but yeah i, I do think moldovsky's gonna take this one I'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say round two knockout now get it over with quick round one all right dan has it in 25 seconds yes yeah and this one is in, it's in arizona right where where in arizona is this one uh phoenix i believe phoenix yes it is at the footprint center and uh, yeah, so we've got some Arizona judges, I assume, and, and and some traveling judges here as well. Arizona usually brings in a good quality of judge. Um, this is a, this being Bellator, you're gonna have uh, Mike Mazzulli, so he's probably gonna try to bring in some of the guys we typically see uh, over there. Anyone who's licensed in Arizona, I'm not sure among the, the traveling judges. I'm probably Sal D'Amato. I'm gonna guess is going there because uh, he goes everywhere. There's no UFC, so he might as well, right? Yeah, why not? Um, you know, maybe someone like a, a a Brian Miner if he's licensed there. Uh, Chris Flores is a standout judge from Arizona, so I would expect he would be assigned as well. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. But I I I actually like a the 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 crew that they typically have for Arizona events uh, as opposed to the neighboring Mexico. <laughs> Not agree. as big a fan of that. Anything else on this card interests you? I mean, I know it's Bellator, and I know it's not your favorite, but there's there's some fights. Got Benson on the card. Benson Henderson taking on. You Islam love Benson Henderson. Medoff. I don't love him, but I mean, he's, I, he's interesting. I didn't actually. I didn't think you liked him very much. Listen, I hated him for so long. <laughs> okay, maybe I was right. From the day when we you, we watched a Frankie Edgar fight versus him, we were like, "Come on, this is baloney." Yeah, he always brought it though. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I didn't like. I thought Nate Diaz beat him. Um, he's been in a lot of close decisions in his career. That is, that is pretty much a fact. The Nate, when Nate is, you know, just taking a beating to the face and he flips him off. I mean, that automatically swings the round in his favor. Oh so, yes. I forgot my mistake. Yeah. I mean, he fought with a toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> that's just <laughs> I know. absurd. So crazy. Um, I feel like that's not the only time he must've done this many times, but yeah, he's grown on me since, I guess. Uh, I, he's grown on you since you haven't been watching him. Is well, no, it? here's it that. I just never had a chance to like him because okay. he had he had the he kept fighting the guys that you like the rivalry with Frankie Edgar. He took Jim Miller's title shot away from Jim. He the first fight beat Nate Diaz. I thought he won that fight, dude. Jim Miller. Oh, Jim Miller. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, yeah, Jim Miller did not win that fight. Fought it with Mono, like a yes, very impressive slash not very like smart. a warrior. Signs a contract, shows up regardless. He would have fought with COVID. 
Uh, yep. And it cost him the championship. Pretty much. For a championship opportunity. Uh, but this way, I see playing out, Islam gets a decision one. Islam Amadov. Yeah, I, I think so, too. We've seen Benson Anderson's on the wrong end of a lot of these fights lately. I, I don't I don't think he's cooked or anything like that. But realistically, he's just it's harder to trust him these days. So. Well, I know he was I'm, at pretty much just going on that. He was at 170 for a while. And now this one's at 155. Yeah. So, hey, you're talking about people getting up there in age. Benson Henderson uh, is 38 years old, sir. And he's an old 38 because he's been in 39 fights. This will be his 40th of his career. Turned pro more than 15 years ago. I feel he doesn't abuse his body as much, though. But he's been in so many five-round fights, dude. Yeah, I know. I get it. But, I mean, in between, I, I, I think I think his recovery is on Tom Brady level. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Why? Because that's crazy. Yeah, he's Tom, not on Tom Brady level. On recovery. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Disagree, sir. He does, like, yoga and stuff. Yeah, my kids do yoga at school. Well, that's good. They're going to have good recovery. <laughs> There's a lot of guys who do yoga. We did yoga poses uh, when uh, Shorty Rock would lead classes. Yeah? I think so, sometimes. Oh, I don't remember. I could I, I could swear. It's possible. But again, again, I, I still don't remember the names of the characters in the show I've been watching. So <laughs> It's not even like they don't say their names all the time. Jax, Jax, what's going on? Where's Jax? Where's Jax? Where's Clay? And I couldn't come up with those names. The thing is I find fascinating about that is Jax's character. He's he's from the UK. So He is. Him to have he that. an American accent. To, to get, rid of, that. get rid of the accent is like. They all do that. Impressive. You know, actually, it kind of threw me, though, because I had seen – his name's Charlie Hunnam, the actor. Charlie Hunnam was on a show called Undeclared. Yeah. Do you know Undeclared? Yeah, I watched it. Yes. He was the British roommate there, and he spoke with his British accent. And then all of a sudden, you watch him in this, and he's like, yeah, so where's where's Clay? (laughs) He's got, like, the very, you know, I'm trying hard to do an American accent. Chibs doesn't change his accent. No, he doesn't. Well, he's supposed to be a Scottish guy. Yeah. Because he's always the Scottish guy with the, the Glasgow smile. <laughs> There's one guy in, in Hollywood that's this. It's him. It is him. I remember yeah. him in Gladiator. He was in Gladiator. He was in All About the Gladiator. Benjamins. I don't remember. I don't think I've seen All About the Benjamins. With Ice Cubes and Mike Epps. Not, is it Mike Epps? Is that his name? I believe it's. I, I, if you're talking about the actor you know, I'm thinking about, because I've never seen the movie. But yeah, the funny there's guy. an actor named Mike Epps. Yeah, that's him. Okay. Anyway, there's any other fights? Oh, we're Bellator? talking about Bellator again? Yeah. I thought we were just talking about movies and TV shows. No, the last one before we – I think we can probably cut it after this one. But uh, Darian Caldwell, uh, the former Bellator bantamweight champion, is in action against Enrique Barzola, UFC veteran. Um, his style isn't always the most interesting to watch, but I'm curious to kind of see how he bounces uh, back from – you know, uh, things haven't gone exactly as he has hoped in recent years. You know, he lost to, to Horiguchi twice. Uh, he lost to AJ McKee. Uh, with that with that McKeatine, uh, in, back in November, he lost a split decision to Leandro Ego. Things haven't been going uh, quite his way, so I'm curious if he bounces back or if you know we're we're kind of just saying goodbye to him as a real contender anymore. All right, we're done. Thanks uh, for listening, everybody. We'll be back uh, on Monday. We'll talk about some Bellator. Maybe we'll even do a past judgment. I don't know how. How much I can get Dan to engage with Bellator, we'll see. Well, I'll probably watch. I probably got nothing else to do. Hey, no college basket or no college football, I should say. And yeah, nothing else going on. Alrighty, that's a ringing endorsement as ever to Bellator. Right? <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Right. Take care, everyone. Have a great week.